Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. Anything embarrassing about myself? Like, yeah, what got me into was in sync back in the day. I mean, wait, what? Don't <laughs> yeah. put that yeah. on there. Paul's interest in music started with boy bands. Yeah, <laughs> actually, no, it was Slayer. His two favorite bands were Backstreet Boys and Slayer. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, dude. I remember when I had an in CD back in the day, and I remember jamming back on like the old, like those little Sony, like not the Walkmans, but like the first little compact disc player you could have. Oh, okay. on the bus. Yeah, I actually had a Sony Walkman cassette player. Yeah. Yeah. With a three EQ freaking, it had an equalizer on it. That's crazy. cover. That was pretty cool, man. Listen technology. to You know what's weird when it comes to auto? You would think it's the way technology is that they'd find a good way to like, you know, because if you take like a, like a record, like an old school album, like the nuances that you can hear in an album it's just like some of the best quality you can get yeah. and then you everything's now like mp3 and yeah. you would think it would get like the quality now would be better than records but it's like not yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird how that works you're a bad outcome digital will just never be the same yeah. as analog it's yeah. not, it won't I mean there's no way even, even when I digitize a, a vinyl record or a cassette it always loses some quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still sounds pretty good, and you can kind of hear the cracks and pops in it, but you can't hear the warmth and everything that yeah. comes, comes with it. And it's weird, man. It's just it, it, it's because it saves it in these little blocks, and basically, it's just not smooth anymore. It's 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 got these edges, and the edges yeah. you can, not really. Most people you really can't hear them, but but you can tell the difference. It is, yeah, it's definitely not the same. My mom found her old records, and I bought a record player a couple of Christmases ago. And so, whenever she'd be gone, I, you know, I'd crank it up and clean the house. And I was, I was, I was just kind of blown away. Just all, all the little things you could hear that you can't hear on a, on like a CD or whatever the case may be. Yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, especially if it's one of the good, decent, like hi-fi systems. You know, Ash got me uh, for Christmas a few years back a turntable, and man, and she got me a King Diamond them picture disc. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, anybody that knows me knows I love records. So. Yeah, and, and she got me uh, Metallica and Justice for All, and it's actually a two-disc uh, vinyl. Yeah, you know, it's, that's it's cool. two discs. I was like, you know, because they can only put so much time yeah. on a disc. Mm-hmm. So, well, you ready to get started? Yeah, yeah let's get started. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm talking today. I'm talking to the band Death of August, and I've got Elena. Paul and Jason with me right now, and then we're waiting on Amira. She'll be here in a little bit. Um, but the way I usually get my podcast started, and we'll just kind of start with you, Jason, because you're sitting right here beside of me. Okay. But we'll talk about just what was the first thing when you were a kid that kind of grabbed you? What like an early musical memory for you? Um, actually, it was my dad mm-hmm. because he's a musician. Yeah. And pop 
he's one of the best country guitar players I've ever okay. heard in my life. Like, and he's played with some of the top country stars back in the day. And I used to be so fascinated watching his band play, yeah. you know, or, or band practice, things like that. Just as a little, or dad just sitting and strumming, you know. Us kids, my brothers and I, we all just took to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's honestly where my musical influence comes from. Okay. Now, so you had instruments in the house at an early age. Did you get your hands on an instrument at a young age? Pop had this, it was this red, uh, it was like a red and black old beat up acoustic guitar that he let us kids play with. Yeah. And that's when I first started just tinkering, but, you know, I was too young to actually know anything about what I was doing with it. Yeah. But then, uh, I think I was 12, 13 at the earliest. I think think it was 13. Um, Pop had this acoustic Yamaha guitar, and I played with that thing every day. And I started actually, you know, Iron Man. Uh, uh, smoke on the water. Mm. You know, I was learned. Those were like literally the first two songs I learned on the yeah. guitar. <laughs> those are that's the, two of the first songs that a lot of people learn. Yeah, the, the riffs are kind of simple, really, right? And they're easy to kind of pick out. But yeah. yeah, I think smoke on the water was like the first thing I learned how to play. And Iron Man probably wasn't far behind that. They're, they're kind of similar too. Yeah. Yeah. So I was playing with that, but then um, I just really had an interest in drums, and I would take butter bowls and I would fasten them with tape to my dresser drawers and I would put like different amounts of socks or clothes in each bowl like Mm -hmm. one would have none the others would have a little bit more and more to give it like to me a different sound just same sound it just deadened it a bit but as a kid I was like this is awesome you know and uh, for the snare, I literally took two lids and I put a bunch of pennies in between the two lids to give me a kind of a snare sound. And I would beat on these things with pencils, use the eraser ends to hit them with, and I'd listen to uh, like Twisted Sister Stay Hungry. And dude, I'd sit there and I had a mason jar for a cowbell. And my dad heard me one time and he's like, hey man, he's like, uh, play a song for me. I was way too embarrassed. I was like, no, 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 no. He said, well, I, I can't get you a drum set if you don't show me what you got. After about 15, 20 minutes of pondering in my brain, I was like, all right, Pop, come on. And uh, he come in the room, and I rock Stay Hungry, as a matter of fact. Uh, the song on these little butterbolt drums hooked to my... And then I showed him what I did, and he was blown away, and dude... It, I had a drum kit within a few months. Okay. So know? drums was like the first instrument. You that literally was the first instrument I played, and I played in uh, three bands playing drums. Now, did you have any formal lessons, or did you play drums in, in the I self-taught. Lars Ulrich, um, John Bonham, Bill Ward, and Dave Lombardo taught me how to play yeah. drums. Because <laughs> I would just listen to my cassettes and jam. That Sid Vicious taught me how to play bass. So. Right? So, I hear <laughs> that's, that's not like, saying a whole lot. But, <laughs> but yeah, so they got me a drum kit. Uh, my first band was called Interfere. We were like 80s thrash, you know, Exodus, Slayer, yeah. Megadeth, Metallica kind of music, you know. 
and was it original music or yes okay. yes it was it was all we we did like a cover of exodus lesson in violence and um seemingly endless time from death angel okay but mostly it was all just original songs you know we'd play house parties and stuff and things like that you know then the second band i played drums with was militia and they were we really didn't get far we had probably like four songs yeah. and we never did a show or anything now the first band you mentioned it did you play shows with that band? Yeah, yeah, like at, yeah. At clubs or just like parties? No, mainly, see, uh, uh, I originate from Flint, Michigan. Okay. And at that time, during the late 80s, early 90s, it was like house parties, house parties. Yeah. They'd put flyers out. They'd charge, you know, five bucks at the door. They'd have kegs and, and the bands would rock, you know. Um, I did my... Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, Militia was not the second band I played drums in. I actually played after Interfere. Mm -hmm. And yes, we mostly with Interfere just did house parties. parties My first actual club gig, I was 15 years old. And my parents had to be present because they would not let me in that club. And I was part of the band, but my parents had to be there. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was a band called Anthem, and we were more like the 80s hair metal. Okay. Even though I I didn't have the Aquanet (laughs) thing going on, you know. But, uh, and we actually put out an EP, and, but yeah, we were just like 80s hair metal. Yeah. Then came Militia, Mm -hmm. and uh, we really didn't do anything much with that you know it, it, it kind of really didn't take off we had some good material it just a lot of things happened you know and it just really didn't go anywhere with yeah. that so, then I became a vocalist <laughs> and I uh, had a band called Head Check and there's actually a video on YouTube right now you can check out called Letter of God okay. and I'm completely bald head Check, we did a lot of gigs. We had, uh, I don't know if you remember Jeremiah's, who used to be around here. We, we did a lot of gigs at Jeremiah's. Um, we did a lot of gigs. This is like the early, early 90s, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did shows with like Child of Rage, Obey Bazaar, mm-hmm. bands like that, you know. Oh, yeah, um, so we did a lot of shows at Jeremiah. We did a, a lot of shows at Rockies. Mm-hmm. Neither one of these buildings exists. Tremont, we did a few shows at Tremont. But yeah, and again, none of these buildings exist anymore. Um, Unfortunately. And I did lead vocal with these guys. Didn't play an instrument one. But I've always played guitar, and I've always loved playing bass. Yeah. And I really didn't realize how much bass was awesome and until... Death of August. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after it was just a head check was the name of the band. Yes, head check. After that, 
Did you not play in bands for a while? Or? Right. I went I went quite a while on hiatus as far as playing in bands. I actually moved to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mother ended up with cancer, and I moved there to spend her last, you know, moments of time yeah. with her, things like that. But when I moved back to North Carolina, you know, the Charlotte scene is just awesome. And I was going to shows and meeting people and networking and and then I met Paul at uh, Queen City Metal Fest okay. at the Underground and he's like oh hey man Duff, you know I'm, I'm jamming with Death of August you know and and we got to know each other and he and I just clicked and he was like yeah we need a bass player and I went over to his house to hang out one day, and I was like, you know what, Paul, I think I'm going to go ahead and audition. Yeah. And um, it took me a little bit because I didn't even own a bass. So I literally borrowed a bass, yeah. borrowed a bass amp, and then that's when I got in contact with Helena. Yeah. And actually, she approached me. You know what? I met you before Queen City Metal Fest because I think it was Queen City Metal Fest when you approached me. Mm-hmm. We met at Amos's, I believe. Yeah, we did meet at Amos's. I don't you know right. what show it was. I think it was a Blackwater show. It definitely was that. Yeah, it was definitely a Blackwater Drowning show. But, um, you know, shout out to the homies, Blackwater Drowning. Yeah. Love you guys. Um, yeah, Queen City Metal Fest because I had told Paul, hey, I think I'm going to go ahead and audition. Paul had mentioned it to Amira and Helena, and Helena approached me at Queen City Metal Fest at the Underground. She says, hey, you know, we need a bass player. I heard you're interested. Would you like to audition? When do you want to audition? And I borrowed a bass, borrowed a bass amp, and asked them to send me a few songs, learned them, came to, uh, it was your house, wasn't it? Yeah, it was your house where yeah, I did. We, we jammed up at my house. It was, yep. like you, it was just Mira, you, Amir, and myself. And yes. the guitar yeah. And audition for him and the rest is history, bro. Yeah. I'm, I'm rocking with these beautiful people and killing it, man. We're killing it. And you've been with the band for, for a couple of years now. Uh, it's, what was it, 2017? It's, or was it 2018? It was... I feel it's like been a it's while, been It's been a while. You always got to forget that, that one year. Well, actually, I, feel like, year I feel like it's been two years, actually. It's been September of... Tw- since September of 2019. That's right. I remember right. the Metal yeah. Fest was like over the summer in 2019. That, That's that was the right. last Metal Fest that I went to. That's right. And we did our first gig at the Rabbit Hole. Yeah. That was our first yeah. gig with me. And I was playing a borrowed bass and a borrowed bass amp. You know. And poor Paul he couldn't fit his drums on the drum riser. Yeah, I seem to have that problem a lot. <laughs> the cymbals kept falling off, and I'd run back, pick them up, hand them to him, you know. But hey, we still rocked it and got a beautiful response, you know. Uh, let's talk about you, Paul, then, since we're kind of okay. talking about you already. Yeah. Uh, what, what, about, what was it about music that grabbed you when you were a kid? So, kind of similar to Jason, my dad actually played drums. Okay. He, uh, he played in a, a lot of bands, you know, a lot of cover bands. Um, I think he had some original bands growing up, but he mainly did covers. So, like, he did it, uh, that was his side income. Yeah. And so, when I was little, you know, there was a lot of times on and the weekends. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, Pop, he covered, mostly covers. Yeah. They have one album out. But sorry, yeah. oh, you're good, man. You're good. <laughs> That's how similar. Oh yeah, our oh, history uh, is. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, 
but essentially, uh, yeah, he always played cover music, and uh, so there'd be a lot of weekends where he'd be gone, and I'd just be hanging out with mom, and so when I was probably like six or seven, the only way that I could actually get into a show to see him play was if the bar itself like served food. Yeah. Like that was always the kind of one, okay, you can come this one and you can eat some chicken tenders and you can hang out and watch that play music. And um, But that being said, I really didn't gravitate like towards actually thinking about, oh, is this something that I would want to do, uh, you know, growing up until maybe I was 10 or 12. Um, there was always a drum set set up in the house yeah. um, and I'd always look at it and when I was little, there'd be a couple times I'd hit at it and I'd get frustrated after hearing my dad play or hearing, you know, music um, and realize, man, I'm horrible at this right now. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. I'm just, you know, hitting one thing, hitting another thing. Like, it reminds me of you, those videos you see, like, like infants when they, like, get on a jump set. It's like, sure, sure. Then they start, you know, smashing away on things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but then one day when I was, like, 10 or 12, uh, I remember sitting down and I was jamming out to some ACDC. I think it was Back in Black. You know, just that basic drum beat. That, oh, yeah. that, you know, that, that drum beat that's in almost every song on the radio now. Yep. And um, I was like, man, this is kind of fun. I kind of like this. And so that's that's when, like, it first piqued my interest. But once again, kind of similar to Jason. I think we must have been, like, you know, related in a past life or something. <laughs> but I actually didn't really mess around with drums that much and didn't really get serious until I was about 16. And so I guess from about... 13 to 16 when I was in middle school um, I played guitar okay my dad bought me a little well the first guitar he got me was this really cheap epiphone and it was uh, it, w- it wasn't very it wasn't good I was just <laughs> like that and it was so bad that it was just something that I never really wanted to play and so I think one of his guitar buddies told me said, man you bought him like one of the cheapest kind of guitars you can get like it's gonna play horrible it's gonna sound horrible he's not gonna get into it yeah and so my dad being the dad he was when it comes to music you know he was like okay well I'll spend money on music stuff like whatever else you may want growing up as a kid I'm gonna find a reason why you don't need that but when it comes about music we'll talk yeah, yeah. and so he ended up getting me a, a little Mexican Stratocaster and I started uh, playing with that Iron Man, uh, Iron Man Smoke on the Water and Back in Black those are like the first three riffs yeah. I learned like everybody um, I never learned Back in Black yeah well and then my buddy Ben actually uh, Ben plays in a band called Alter Vision and uh, another local band and um, he was taking lessons at the time and so I actually my dad was giving him money to teach me things mm-hmm. and so he would teach me some riffs here and there and um I kind of got into it, and I think Ben was just like, man, he's just kind of taking a, a learning the guitar a little bit. Like, I don't know if I want to teach you anymore. And yeah. so at that point, luckily, like, tabs were now a thing that you can go online and get oh, yeah, tabs. Yeah. And so I would just look up songs that I wanted to learn. And I did that, like I said, until I was 16. Me and Ben were always talking about, you know, just jamming. And so we were, at that point, like, influence-wise, like, I was listening to a lot of, a lot of, like, a lot of classic rock. So, like, yeah. Jimi Hendrix, Tom Petty, uh, ACDC. The good stuff. All the good stuff, yeah. Yeah. And um, so we actually started jamming on like uh, Purple Haze, uh, Hey Joe, uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane. And so he was like, well, man, like, you know, you can play guitar, but like, you got a drum set. And so I was like, okay, well, let me, let me start like messing around with the drum set. So I started going out there. At that point, we had a shed that we moved the drums into the shed. So I was playing my dad's old kit. But that's kind of where it started for me getting serious, I guess. As serious as I could have been at 16 anyways. Yeah. How did you start band? Did you, I mean, you were playing with a friend. But Air quote band. Did you have a we name? We were for garage it? band. I don't think we ever came up. With, we came up with a bunch of collective, really goofy names. Yeah. Um, like I can't even remember the names, but they were just really funny, like silly, stupid names. Yeah. Um, but we never necessarily had any idea of playing out. But we got together probably two, three times a week, like you know, while we were in middle school and then up in the high school, we would just jam out, run the same songs, work on some newer songs, and then um, that went on for a little bit. 
and probably until I was like 18 or 19 and I remember I hit a point where I got kind of cocky with music and drums I was like oh I can pretty much play anything you know it's all like the seven same drum beats and uh, then I met these guys from uh, this band called SIQ and I actually worked with somebody who brother was in the band and he came up to me and he played drums right I was like yeah well, you know, my brother's band is a drummer yeah. and I'm saying okay well yeah I can pretty much play anything you know da 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 and these guys showed up at my house, and they're into progressive metal. Okay. So they're in a band that's like Dream Theater. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the first couple songs they showed me, I about had a heart attack. And I was just like, what the heck am I going to play to all this stuff right now? I can't just go boom tap, boom boom tap the whole time and get through the, you know, all the songs. That's uh, that's really what kind of kicked me in gear. I started you know listening to a lot more wider variety of music. I started checking out bands like Dream Theater. Um, at that point, like Periphery and all these like you know gin bands weren't really out yet. But um, Mike Portnoy was definitely a huge influence. So okay. I started listening to a bunch of Dream Theater and trying to get as good as I could in order to keep up with the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were we were at SIQ for a while. We went through some member changes and then we kind of rebranded to Ozai and then. Our influences were more like Periphery, Meshuga, Animals as Leaders. And so I hit a point probably when I was 18 or 19 where I went from being this little guy who thought he could play everything on the drum set to realizing the more that I learned, the more I realized I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And so it definitely humbled me, I feel like, as a musician. And I think it was probably a good thing because I realized, hey, I, if I want to be able to play like these guys that I idolize, I'm going to have to kind of break that little barrier that I have thinking I know what I'm doing and realize... The more I can learn, the more well-rounded I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. And so that's what really kind of set me off. Like, once I got within, that's what it had me um, a lot more determined and, like, focused on, like, actual, like, technique, learning different time signatures. And um, so that went on for a while. We, now, we, did y'all play any shows? Or, or yeah, we were music? playing shows as SIQ and OSI. Um, you know, we, as SIQ, we released one CD um, at, a, oh, God, I think it was called Not Whole Studios. Uh, it's a producer named Boo English. He's local yeah, yeah, around yeah, here. Yeah. Boo's an awesome guy. Yeah. So, and I remember when we were actually in the studio for the first time. That's the first time I heard of what a metronome was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and talk about having another heart attack. And on top of that, you know, having a song that was, they just finished writing that day in the studio and I had to learn it and record it that day. Um, that kind of broke my, uh, my musical stress cherry, I guess you could say. I, um, I was definitely in a, in a world of hurt that day at the studio. I remember oh, yeah. thinking, like, oh, God, this, this costs money, and here I am trying to get through this. Um, the CD went well, uh, and I uh, played with it for uh, about, I guess, two years or so before we had some member changes. We re- we branded as uh, Ozai, and then I was with those guys for up until, I think, 2017. Okay. Um, had some health issues. I was having really bad headaches and migraines, like, almost every day, and so I had to, yeah, this wasn't reliable. Yeah. And so I had to, you know unfortunately leave them due to those reasons and I probably went maybe a year or so and I was really like bummed out about it mm-hmm. um, you know that was, that was kind of like my baby and like that was my musical pride I guess you could say um, but uh, went about a year or so and then I'm trying to think of when, when me and Helena first started talking I, you reached out to me at one point looking for a drummer 
Yeah, we were we were in a transition. I think it was like February of 2019 where we were like, oh, we need a drummer. <laughs> um, and I think that's when you and I started talking more. We might have been in contact a little bit before that, but I think the first show that they that we played together was like April, maybe either March or April of 2019 it was the milestone show i think he's the first one was that over the shiners i think it was shiners i think both of them were april if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah that's right yeah because i remember you hit you hit me up a couple times and at that point i was still kind of having some some health issues and like the last thing i wanted to do was join another band without knowing that i was going to be reliable yeah um and then funny enough is actually I, i remember it was i think it was um what was that place? Was it the Keg and Q? They had like that final metal night, and like y'all were the uh, Death Boggs was there playing. That's so where that's we met. It was the Keg and Q show yeah. where you and I met. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it was. And me and my buddy Ben actually from Alter Vision went together, and uh, you know we saw Death of August, and I remember I think that was the first time we actually talked in person. I think at that point you'd reach out to me maybe once. I think um, I think the the way that you and I got in contact was through uh, Chad. Okay. Honeycutt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chad Honeycutt's a good guy. He was the drummer for Annabelle Lee. Yeah. And they were playing. I think it was like Haymaker, maybe Blackwater yep. Drowning. Haymaker definitely played. Yeah. But that's the first time that I saw Death of August. And me and Ben actually, I was like, Yo, I gotta go and tell him that was awesome. Like, you know, that was a kick-ass show. And so we talked a little bit, and then I thought it over. And you know, my health issues at that point weren't near as bad as they had been for the past five or six years. And that's why I was like, you know, man, I really want to get a. Uh, I really want like I miss playing music and so you know she she uh, she reached out to me again and I was like let's do it let's let's get together and jam and you know kind of like Jay said the rest is history you know we um for a while we had a couple different bass players uh, and that was that was hard for me I was like man I got to get locked in with a oh, bass yeah. player yeah. I, as soon as I get comfortable with one uh, you know Emily uh, she, she joined another band the first bass player um, we had another Phil and Quinn and then Brosnan and then Brosnan um, and then he, he just had a bunch of things going on too but as soon as I would get comfortable with them it was like they were kind of out of the picture yeah. and so then thankfully Jason decided he was he was going to give it a try and next thing you know I was like this is what I've been needing like somebody that's not going to be gone you know and then three weeks or a month and so me and him like we were, we were already clicking um you know, just on like a friendship level. We just know when the accents, like, I know when you're going to hit a this or a that, and I make sure I punch it with you. Yeah, we've never even had a vice versa. You know when I'm going to do something. It's, it's weird. It's, it's a mental thing. Like, you know, we don't even have to really discuss it a lot of times. You know, we may be at practice and say I try to do something new. Jason will kind of look up at me and I'll kind of be like, okay, now his brain's going. Yeah, I'm like, I liked what I heard. Let's let's do this. The next playthrough, he's mimicking it somehow or some way, and so we've always uh, we've always been really uh, able to connect like that. And so I've been super excited uh, and just super happy not only to be playing music again, but uh, you know to find a group of people that like I connect with, not just on like a band level, but yeah. just you know as people in general. Because that's you know you can you can be in a band with the best musicians in the world, but if, if you're, if you're a dick, nobody likes dicks. Man. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. There's a lot of great bands that implode because they're great musicians, but they don't—they just don't get along. You got to be able to hang out with each other. There's a lot of bands that just stay together forever. They're just—they're okay. They're—they're fun bands because you can tell they're friends. Yeah, you can tell they have a good time when they're doing it. They might not be the most technically proficient bands or greatest bands, but they're—they're fun. (laughs) Yeah, because I've had a couple other bands in the past, or you know, well, not bands, but like. Hey, you want to try playing drums? And you know, after this one, you know, get together, I'm like, this is not gonna work. Like, you gotta have that connection. Yeah, if you don't have that connection, like you said, you know, you could be the best musician in the world, but if you don't connect and you can't hang out with the people you play with, 
I've always said that I can't I can't imagine being in a band with people that I'm not friends with because it just wouldn't be that fun for me. Right. I don't want to go punch a I don't want to go punch a clock mm-hmm. playing band. I want to go hang out with my friends Thank you. and make some music. Yeah. You punch a clock to earn a living. <laughs> you do the band to escape all that, yeah. man. So, yeah, I get it. And, and I, I'm blessed to have these guys in my corner. I mean, I'm best best group of individuals that I've ever jammed with, you know, because we all truly care for each other on top of the music that is just you know if you haven't heard it yet it's on all, st- all streaming <laughs> platforms <laughs> so we'll, we'll go ahead and go to you Helena um, what, what about what was it about music about you when you were a kid so probably an early musical memory for me was just like rocking out and jamming in the living room with my parents mm-hmm. to like I don't know, bands like Black Sabbath, like Ozzy, um, Twisted Sister. Actually, not Iron, <laughs> not Iron Maiden when I was little, that was but my like um, the Ramones. My mom loved the Beatles. Like yeah. I remember, like that was like a big, um, like first musical memory for me. Um, and I think it was like I must have been five, five or six, and my parents took me to a music store so that I can pick out you know instruments and um like start start playing music and it was really funny because i like i think i literally was talking about this with someone here recently but guitar was my third choice (laughs) um so i guess like we it's funny because i guess a good bit of us like what we currently play in the band isn't what we like initially started with yeah um well actually no it's what i started with but it wasn't initially what i wanted to start with i wanted to um like i think at first i wanted to play piano and then i wanted to play drums and there's a part of me that's kind of like i'm glad i didn't do that because i don't think i'm coordinated enough and i love the guitar so like you know i think it was uh what it what's the expression um Oh, geez. It's like third... Jesus, what is it? Third time's a charm? Third time's a charm. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, third time's a charm. I was drawing a blank. We were going to do an awkward awkward silence there, um, and, and Mike would have had to cut it out. But, um, <laughs> or yeah. even sometimes I do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and I started taking guitar lessons like right around that age. Um anywhere between five and seven i think i got my first like acoustic at six maybe Mm -hmm. i got my first electric either like between seven and nine uh years old and i started taking you know lessons when i was fairly young and so i would take lessons and then switch to another teacher and there was a period of time where i kind of just like stopped playing guitar altogether you know i was young you know kids attention spans are all over the place um And so it it took me a while to get back into it, but I think like one of the main things that got me back into it, I I loved Green Day uh, when I was younger. And so I don't know how it went from like me listening to Green Day to all of a sudden like listening to Avenged Sevenfold. I don't remember that. I was going to ask. I know like, like, yeah. (laughs) I I know your mom's taste of music. Yeah. And sort of know her taste of music. And you've already mentioned some of those bands. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wondered if there was a period of time when you were younger that you sort of found your own music. Um, it was sort of independent of what she was listening to. Um, I think like the first band that I really, really like truly listened to a lot on my own was, was Green Day. Okay. Um, and so I listened one. to a lot of, you know, like rock, 
um, like hard rock, classic metal bands. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period of time where I kind of like, I didn't listen to anything like that whatsoever. I went through a total pop phase. I was going to ask about that, because I know a, <laughs> yeah. lot of, a lot of people were young. I mean, I went through a pop phase when I was a kid, yeah. even though I kind of got introduced to rock and roll. There was still a part of me that went through the Madonna and mm-hmm. uh, Wham and all that stuff. Gloria Estevan. Yeah. <laughs> all that stuff was a part of my upbringing as well, just because you kind of go through all those little experimenting with different things until you find what it is that you really like anyway. Right. And a lot of that stuff sticks with you. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think my parents bought Nightmare, um, the Eventful Unfold album, and that's kind of like after my pop phase, I got back into like rock and metal, um, and I don't know, it was just a lot of like exploring from there, and I wanted to get back into guitar because of them, mm-hmm. um, and because of Sinister Gates, I like loved his guitar playing, and now I listen to like all different types of music, I listen to like a vast variety of, um, of content and th- there came a point where I wanted to take lessons again once I got back into rock and metal music I must have been like 13 or so and so I started taking guitar lessons at um, the guitar center in the university area and that's where I met Amira and okay. uh, we started jamming we started like we we met there, and we were like, "Hey, let's like learn some covers and jam." And so we like, I don't know, we learned like "Man in the Box" and "Unholy Confessions," and I don't even know what we learned at this point. We went through so many songs. Uh, like we did a Foo Fighter song, um, so we were just like jamming covers and playing them at at Guitar Center at their jam nights. Mm-hmm. And there came a point where we were kind of like, let's let's start like writing stuff, um, and I guess the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, when you first start taking lessons, because you, you said you took a break for a little while, but when you first start taking lessons, did you get pretty good at your guitar at that time, or, or did you kind of just learn the basics? So? I pretty much learned the basics. Um, I, at first, I started taking lessons. Um, I don't know. I. I I don't remember if I started taking like lessons just like primarily with my acoustic or with uh, my electric, but yeah, it was just like basic like open chords, some like basic riffs, some of the riffs that the guys already mentioned earlier. Ask if you remember, like one of the early riffs that you uh, might have learned. Stairway, obviously, I actually did that at a, at a talent show at, in, in middle school. Okay, so that you was, bad, so. was that your first? Was that your first time on stage? Was middle school at a talent show? Or? Um, I mean, I know you said you did like the jam nights. Yeah. I don't actually remember um, the, the, the time frame, like, if that was before Amir and I started jamming mm-hmm. or not, um, but I guess that must have been the first, like, stage stage that I had been on, because it was, like, an actual stage in yeah. our, our mm-hmm. like, um, what is it called, like, theater yeah, like an auditorium. auditorium. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get their first stage experience in a talent show. Mm-hmm. I've talked to other people that, that started a lot younger than that that did it on stages for other reasons. But most everybody that comes through here is like, oh, and I played a talent show at one point. And that was their first experience. That was yeah. sort of my first experience playing on the stage. Yeah, that was mine yeah. too. Yeah. Actually, because I, I, I guess I forgot to say, I took lessons for, I think, three months. Um, and I had a different drum teacher every, every month and a half. And that was mm-hmm. the main reason why I stopped. And my buddy Ben actually... Was he was the one who was taking guitar lessons there, and so they put on some kind of Christmas-like talent show thing, and they had I think a couple different bands there, a range of different ages, and I can't even remember what Christmas song we played. 
But you want to talk about a little a little kid that was probably like going to need a new pair of pants after this show because I was sweating bullets. I looked down and saw all the parents out there, and then all the lights went down, and oh, my heart was racing. But yeah, that was my that was my first one too. Definitely a little talent show. I have to admit, I've never played a talent show. <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot of fun for me. I had the same thing, like my heart just racing, like oh no, you know, so here's all these people because we've been playing in drummer's basement. Mm-hmm. We'd invite a couple of friends over to come see us play. Our biggest crowd was like maybe four people. So here we are playing in front of a bunch of people that you know we go to school with and their parents. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was a whole lot of fun. There, not everything went well the whole show. We didn't win, but uh, we played Jane's Addiction Mountain Song. Oh, no. and, uh, okay. It was, it was a lot of fun. We made a bunch of noise at the end and jumped around and acted like fools. And Heck yeah. <laughs> just kind of made it a little bit punk rock in the way we could. We, we, we thought about, because we had a punk rock band at the time. And we had thought about playing some of our original songs, but ultimately we decided, well, maybe we want a chance to maybe win it, you know, for whatever it's worth. There was another band that was playing Queensryche, Silent Lucidity. It's like, we really wanted to beat them just because we hated that song. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible song, but we we really hated being punk rockers, so. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, they won, we didn't. Oh, well. <laughs> so you got into a lot of Black Flag and DRI. Yeah, and see, well, like I got that. into, I got into like classic rock, into heavy metal, and then heavy metal into like oh, Sex Pistols, Black Flag, Misfits, you know. Yeah, Misfits. Whoever, the, whoever the Metallica, if they had a Misfits skull or shirt, I'm like, I want to go find out what the Misfits are. Heck yeah. So it was, it was basically through Metallica and, you know, I think I remember Megadeth covered God Save the Queen. And oh, yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. Like that. yeah like, well, I got to find out what this band's about. So we, we got into punk rock. They actually did Anarchy in the UK. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. what it was. I could still, yeah, Sex yeah. Pistols. Yeah. But we, that sort of, we, we'd, we'd sort of been introduced to punk rock, but that the fact that our metal heroes were the ones that were still kind of wearing the shirts is like, mm-hmm. oh, no, that made it an easy gateway. Oh, right. And then it was down to Record Bar and Camelot, and it was like whatever cassettes they had. Then we ended up picking up Minor Threat. We ended up picking up uh, Oh yeah, Minor Threat. And I can't remember what else. It's all kinds of stuff. Just because of, well, this looks cool. I'm going to buy this. So many different great hardcore 80s punk bands that if anybody's in the punk scene, they need to check these bands. Yeah. 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 I was going to mention, since we were talking about kind of like talent show and like songs that we had played, um, it reminded me of a song that like Amir and I used to do all the time when we started out you know Seek and Destroy and oh, it was yeah. so much fun and she's <laughs> yeah. probably gonna she's probably gonna like be like why'd you say that but like we used to play that all the time and it was really fun but now we never play it anymore and I kind of yeah. miss it so Dude, we should do it <laughs> people would love it yeah it was it was it was great but I think we like played it so much to where it was like, like ah! I'm so tired of it and I'm like yeah but it's been like three years since we played it yeah <laughs> so the very first song that I learned to play, and I learned to play it on guitar, was um, For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. Oh, awesome, and it was bro. A year, it was the year before me and my buddies put together a band, but we, uh, one of my other friends was going to be in a talent show, and we put together a band for the talent show, basically. Yeah. And he's like, you have a guitar, don't you? I was like, yeah, but I can't play it. He's like, man, I can teach you how to play it. You can play that song. So he played bass on it, and I played guitar. I played rhythm guitar. I didn't play the lead. Sure. But that was the first song I learned to play. And we didn't actually play in the talent show because we auditioned for the talent show and then didn't make it. Oh, it was the day of the audition. The guy that was going to sing for us just decided, oh, I don't want to do it. So we auditioned as an instrumental band. And, and they weren't. They just like, did. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you guys do better if you had a singer. Well, we did have a singer. <laughs> Up until about six hours ago. That's actually funny because like, we were looking for a singer. I, I didn't sing from the get-go. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of the songs, a lot of the covers that we played at first, 
we, they were just instrumental, mm. and a, a lot of the cover, uh, like a lot of the originals that we had, like Sundagger, Hellbender. I mean, like the first few songs that we wrote off of this album. It, it's it's been quite some time uh, mm. since we first started writing them, but like they were completely instrumental. Um, and I think the first song that we ever wrote was one of the last songs that we wrote lyrics for um but yeah like we were just searching for a vocalist and there happened to be one day where like i don't know i must have shown a recording to my mom of me like singing something and she wanted to show it to amir and her parents they're like oh she can sing and i think at the time the um like our first drummer his dad was there um too and he was like you know they were just kind of like why don't why don't you try singing and so I was like, I don't know, we'll see. And uh, I've learned a lot of things, you know, since then. And um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah. And I guess this would be, what would be great for Mayor Walker, right in the door. She yeah. would be, like, She'd be oh, here anytime. <laughs> she yeah, just message at 6.41. But we could, we could go ahead and start talking about the record that you put, or the, I, I keep saying record. I, I call all albums records. Sure, I sure. I like to say an album because records are back in in, in now. And not everybody can put out a record because it's so expensive. Um, but you just recorded your album. Now, this isn't the first thing you recorded, though, because you released, at least I remember Equinox has been released for a while. Yeah, we released, um, and it's funny because everyone says Equinox. Amir and I call it Equinox. Equinox we've kind okay. of, we kind of made everyone else that's uh, jammed with us and, you know, just the rest of the band in general, like, call it Equinox. Um,
back in 2017. We were initially going to release an EP around that time. Um, yeah, 2017 was when we were like recording an EP, and some some things kind of like fell through, and we weren't as happy with the recordings. Yeah. So um, Equinox was like the the recording that we were the happiest with at the time. Um, and then we went through some transitions, member transitions, and we were like, you know what, it's probably best that we start recording again when things are like a little bit more stable as far as like band members and like rehearsals and getting together with people that can actually record. Um, <clears throat> so we didn't start recording until like a little bit before we we met Paul. Um, back in like 2019 um it's it's been quite quite the process cause yeah like, so, so the album that you put out just recently put out got started in 2019 mm-hmm. so it's been, been the worst that long yeah so like um we we were tracking probably during one of the one of the busiest years uh, at least for like me and Amira personally mm-hmm. uh definitely definitely for me it was like one of the busiest years of my life and um but we we got a lot of tracking done and we continue that into 2020, and just with the pandemic, it slowed down a lot of things. So, like, oh yeah, for um, everybody, you know, we we were kind of like trying to time it in terms of like, let's get the music out there, but let's also make sure like we're ready to put it out there and have everything that we need. Like, make sure that we're happy with the music, make sure we're, ha- we're happy with the artwork, um, and just like get on the same page for like. How, how we're going to move forward in like putting the album out. Yeah. Now some of that yeah. early tracking, is that is tracking that you use that's on the final album or did you go back and re-record a lot of that? So, I know if you step away from something for that long, sometimes it's, you start to go, well, I think I could do it better. <laughs> right, right. So, <laughs> yeah. I think you guys no. re-recorded quite a bit of stuff, we, actually. We, we, like, in a way re-recorded, but also didn't end up re-recording a lot of things. I think we kept guitars how they were. Um, we guys are ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was super happy. We walk over those for sure. <laughs> I, I was super happy with how the guitars turned out. Um, so, like... We, we did everything in our power to make sure, like, we got them done, we, we nailed them, we didn't have to go back, mm-hmm. especially since um, Derek Corzine, who, um, who recorded, like, recorded us back in 2019, he, he did the guitars for us, and he ended up moving to Texas, so we were kind of in a time crunch. Oh, yeah. He was like, hey, I'm moving, and we were like, oh, oh, crap. We haven't started recording vocals yet, and that was at the point where we were kind of like, me personally, I wanted to take a break to kind of uh, refocus on the vocals and, you know, make sure I'm practicing, honing in on specifically just vocals, because for a while I was like, I'm just going to focus on the guitar aspect of things, uh, and make sure, like, you know, we get into the studio, we know, we know what we're doing in terms of guitars, you know, and get out of there. Um, but we did have to like reprogram um, drums yeah. with um, with Cole and James. I don't exactly know all the nuances with that. I'm not sure if you can speak on that, Paul. Yeah, I, I mainly think because I'm. Tra- when did when did I track drums? I remember. I guess it was what during the, was it like during August, or was it like midsummer? It was like it must have been either 
It might be June, but I don't know. It was August. Uh, it was um the summer. Yeah. So yeah. So we. Tr- I remember since you know Derek. Derek was an awesome guy. He came over uh, actually to to my house over the shed where I keep the drum set, and um spent one day getting all the microphones put up and kind of dialing the sounds, and then came back the next weekend. And next thing you know, he was there for I think six and a half, seven hours, and then all the drum parts were tracked. And uh, I remember thinking, like, you know, this is probably going to take me a couple days, but you know, luckily, you know, he was he knew what he was doing, um, and luckily I, I learned my parts, so I wasn't having to go back and retract too much. And so we got that down, and then um, you know, like Lena was saying, um, he moved to Texas, and so um, we kind of sent everything over to Cole and uh, James. Uh, who were actually in Ozai, and they were, um, they were the ones who are you know, mixing everything and getting like the final re- uh, recordings done. And as far as the drums, the main thing was it being in that shed. I don't think that that shed was like the most audio-friendly when it comes to mixing and mastering. Well, they so, did a great job, because your drums sound oh, yeah, yeah, really good to me. Days. I've had a lot of compliments from individuals that are drummers about your especially the sound of your snare. So. Well, see, that, that's essentially what happened. <laughs> Those are for uh, the critical people. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Cole was like, you know, when it comes to mixing and like and getting the drums sound the way they can, he's like, you know, he's like, everything sounds pretty good the way, you know, it was recorded in the shed. He was like, but essentially because of the way that the shed is built and everything, he's like, I'm going to hit a ceiling where I can make them sound this good or we can kind of redo them and we can make them sound better. And so I've always been a firm believer in whatever sounds good, let's go that route. Yeah. And so luckily, you know, me and Cole, uh, we were always really close to, and um, especially when it comes to what we like want to hear drum-wise. And so, you know, he kind of brought up the idea, well, like, what do you think of Matt Halpern's kit? Like some of the, his uh, get good drum library sounds. And I'm like, well, dude, I love all the periphery drums, let, let alone the parts, but the drums themselves sound amazing. So if you're telling me you can make my drums sound like that, yeah. Let's do that, <laughs> and so that's what they ended up doing. And um, I'm super, super, super stoked the way it turned out. And I actually just got done hanging out with them a couple of weeks ago because uh, now they actually have the uh, ability to track live drums. Okay. And so we went over there, and you want to talk about like how, how much these guys are into this stuff? We spent three and a half to four hours just tuning the drum set, and before we even got microphones put up, and we ended up doing a playthrough video to one of their old songs. And um, now that we've they've kind of figured it out. The plan is to go back and do some Death of August playthrough videos, and so I'm like really excited to do those now. I want to find some time and, uh, and figure out what it's going to cost, but uh, that's that's another story. <laughs> and I mean, that's uh, my bass tracks um, were actually recorded by um, a really, really long time, almost 30 years friend of mine, Mick Bird. Um, this, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing! Like. Amazing musician on top of being really good at recording and, yeah. and video editing, things like that. But yeah, Mick Bird, he is the reason why I have my bass tracks, and it's because of the whole pandemic, mm-hmm. you know. So you can like go into the studio and, and finish this up. It's, it's no. kind of pieced together. My, my stuff was recorded in an upstairs bedroom mm-hmm. that Mick Bird has his stuff set up in. And I sat there, and we recorded my bass tracks, and we sent them to James and Cole. And James and Cole worked their magic, and the finished product is what you hear, and it's beautiful, you know. And that's awesome how, especially with, because you know how it was back in the 80s and 90s, you know, ADAT was the biggest thing, you know. And if you had an ADAT system, you could do that. And nowadays, 
you know, I can, can sit at the house and record something. She can sit at her house and record something. Paul and Amira both can sit at their houses and record something. And then we can give them to someone and they can literally put it all together. And bam, that's what you got. Now, I, I do believe you guys did your sessions with Cole and James, correct? Or am I our, wrong? Our guitar sessions? Yeah. No, we did, like, all of the guitars are, like, from Derek. We haven't okay. touched guitars at so all. So they just work with you on the vocal. Yeah, so okay, I, I went cool. in um, in 2020, right before um, the lockdown, to record the vocals. And I'm super happy that we like we wrapped up like however much we could um, right before lockdown, and I'm super happy because I was able to like go through every single song yeah. and go through every single part. Um, and so from then we kind of just worked on like finding you know like you know which 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 takes do we want to keep like how do we want to mix in certain stuff um, you know vocally and instrumentally overall. So um, I don't know if either of you two remember like what happened with like um because we we did originally record bass uh with Derek with um with Rossman um but I don't remember exactly like Cole was working on the mixing and uh I don't know I don't know much about bass unfortunately I don't know much about recording which I need to yeah. be a little bit more well-versed in that just like going forward because it like definitely helps the recording process a lot more from a musician standpoint too but do you guys remember I think don't quote me on this <laughs> but I think the way that it was is essentially Cole didn't have access to the raw like the raw audio I think it was like very processed with the really effects and so with Cole you know this guy went to school for audio engineering and so he was essentially looking for a, a, like a, a raw track so that way he could kind of EQ things himself and, and then apply effects as needed. And uh, it kind of worked out because that way, you know, I knew at that point essentially what Jason had come up with on his own, I felt like was added to the music just that much more. And um, so I was like, this will be awesome. You know, we can get Jason's parts on there now. And so, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, yeah, because they actually already had bass tracks recorded mm-hmm. and, and they were good. Oh, yeah. You know, but me being actually in the band and the ideas and the things that I was coming up with, the licks, the things like this, thankfully, that's what ended up on the album. (laughs) I understand that. I mean, because you're you're in the band. Thanks, guys, for letting me be on. You finish up the album, so you might as well replace the bass bass tracks with what you're doing currently with those Right, right. You know, and, and it's it, it wasn't that the other bass tracks were horrible. Yeah. That that that's not what it was. It's just I was playing things and doing things like Isle of Mist, the bass solo in Isle of Mist. If I'm not mistaken, um, even uh, Newton mentioned to me you know, I'm the first actual bass player that has done a solo during that one breakdown part where I do the bass solo. You know, I just I have ideas. Steve Harris is one of my biggest influences. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, he he is. When it comes to bass, I want to play like him Mm -hmm. so bad. I can't get this hand, my right hand, to pluck them strings fast enough. Because I mean, I do use a pick on a few songs, but majority of the time, I'm playing with my finger. Mm -hmm.
this album's kind of been like a, in a way, sort of like a collection of a bunch of different puzzle pieces. Like, you know, obviously we like, you know, record at two different studios. Jason like had a good friend of his record his bass, um, but like we got to collaborate with a lot of people who like made this possible on a musical level, on an artistic level, like with the album cover. Uh, my mom worked on the album cover. Um, the alien that's on it is actually um, this this guy from a. Uh, Crap, I have to actually ask her, but um, he. What is beautiful woman here? <laughs> Bring your gorgeous you self on in here, girl. You can even sit oh, over there, boy. You can sit over here. Sit there. Sit there. We're set up to where the microphone's in the place to pick you up. Here. Yeah, I'm gonna get a shot real quick. Yes, get you a shot. Go ahead and do that, and you can yeah. pick back up. We'll kind okay. of edit around it. Okay. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> this will get left in there. It'll work. Okay. So, no, just, you're, you're good. You, you were talking about Wait. the album cover. Should I go ahead and... Yeah, go ahead. So, um, I think the guy who worked on, who actually did the alien design, he's got like a whole bunch of art that's like similar to the alien, a lot yeah. of different models, like full body alien artwork, like a, just like a bust... He's got a lot of different stuff, um, but he is from... Where is he from? His name is Oleg. Um, I think he's from the Ukraine. I'll have to ask my mom after that, and, and if I'm wrong, we'll correct it. Um, but so, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, we were... Even though it's... It wasn't, like, the easiest process of, like, getting this album together, you know, because it's, it's been a bunch of puzzle pieces between studios and art and whatnot. It was, like, really fun to be able to collaborate with everyone and like see this come to life and see everything fit together, you know, like a puzzle, essentially. (laughs) And that's, that's something that I think is really awesome is how we can go from so many different places and piece together what became Fear of the unknown. Uh, yeah, like I said you earlier, know. when I said, you, so y'all didn't go into a studio and finish something? I thought, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it sounds like you went to Reflections or something. Awesome. Thank you. It sounds great. Thank you, man. Yeah, we and we are so stoked about the release. I know these girls and Paul, these girls especially, because, I mean, they, they wrote all the music. Helena and Amira wrote all the music, yeah. all the lyrics. All Paul and I did is come in and give the foundation that these awesome songs needed, you know? And that's what we've tried to do and tried to honor and give it the best, just boom. So if they want to kick their solos or something with the vocal, we've got that main melody. We've got that foundation that they can build on, you know? And... And like Paul mentioned earlier, just somehow, some reason, he and I just click. I know when he's going to do a lick, he knows when I'm going to do one. And we just keep it tight so these two, especially this one, love you, girl. I love you, too. (laughs) And as a bass player, I know how important it is to click with the drummer and to to, to get that locked in with the drummer. I mean, it makes a band better. You know, even, the, even the crappy band will be better if the drummer and bass player can play well together. Exactly. Yes. But it is great how all these different pieces, like like Helena was saying, it's like a puzzle. This whole album literally has been like a puzzle. Yeah. And we've been able to just get all the pieces to fit, and we have Fear of the Unknown. And... Yeah. 
Hopefully everybody's enjoying it. And if you haven't heard it yet, go by all means, it. it's on Shameless every streaming one. platform. Fear of the Unknown, Death of like August, come check it out. All right, well, now I guess we can welcome Amira into the podcast now. She had to work, Hi. so she was a little bit late. We had to get started early so we could beat the music here. I mean, we got music in the back now. Live bands that are playing later. So Amira, we, we've already talked to everybody else, and, and they kind of told what it was about music that kind of grabbed them as a kid. I, and I say that, but it's like an early musical memory for you. But the first thing about music that really kind of spoke to you as a kid. I feel like the first memory I had was, like, my mom's side of the family is from Trinidad, so there's, like, this style of music called soca, and I remember that's, like, the first style of music I ever remember hearing. Yeah. And I just felt like, this is cool. Like, I didn't know I wanted to play music at that point, but it was oh, yeah. at that point that I felt, like, some sort of connection to music, which mm-hmm. is, like, I was probably, like, a toddler at that point. Yeah, that was, like... That was a long time ago. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And when, when was it when did you start getting into, like, sort of the music that you listen to these days? Like, what? Like, middle school, like, when I was 11. Yeah. It was, like, a, a year before I started playing guitar. Like, yeah. Like, I used to play a lot of guitar here at that time. Okay. And then I was yeah. like, yeah. I so, was like, I want to play guitar now. So, but before that, like, what did you listen to as a kid, though? Before your musical taste kind of shifted. Mm-hmm. But did you listen to, like, just, like, pop music or... Like, a lot of R&B, pop, mm-hmm. like, hip-hop, and whatever was on Disney Channel. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah! My first concert was a Cheetah Girls concert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I probably heard, I mean, I remember Cheetah Girls. I, yeah. I was say, I remember all those bands or all those groups that were on Disney Channel for sure. <laughs> I took my daughter to see Demi Lovato one time in concert. Yeah. Oh, hey, that bro. sounds fun, Yeah. <laughs> Um, but was it was it Guitar Hero that sort of started introducing you to different bands, or was it something else? It was a combination of that, and I kind of had like a couple friends at the time that were into like older like rock, and so mm-hmm. I kind of got exposed through that. Plus, just playing Guitar Hero and hearing songs that I never knew. Yeah, and I just thought, ooh, this is I like this. Why yeah. have I never heard this before? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, I we, it doesn't get mentioned too much on the podcast, I don't think. But video games play a pretty big part in introducing people to music. Like the oh, Tony yeah. Hawk games yeah. introduced a lot of oh, people. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I don't think about that, but like Guitar Hero, because by the time I played Guitar Hero, I knew all those bands. Yeah. But I can see it introducing a, a little kid to like this whole new world of music. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. radio. And like, uh, there, there's also another video game called Rocksmith, mm-hmm. where you actually use a real oh, yeah, guitar. Yeah. You know, it's just like Guitar Hero, but you use That's a really real cool. guitar comes with the chord and everything mm-hmm. and what you don't realize is as you're playing this game you're literally learning how to play guitar instead of just clicking buttons yeah and you play. can use bass you can mm-hmm. use six string guitar seven string guitar it's really cool game you know yeah. so i understand what you're meaning by you know even video games can introduce individuals to music because yeah i mean this one wow that's you know james addiction i'm pretty sure too was a guitar hero yeah, yeah. I honestly never played Guitar Hero. Really, a rock band? Bro. None of those. I've never played Rock Band or Guitar Hero. Oh, so so but I have Rock Smith. Yeah, that's where I, you use a real guitar, <laughs> and I played that. But yeah, I've never played Guitar Hero or anything like that. Yeah, we're gonna change that, man. We're gonna have to <laughs> yes, we do. Guitar Hero. <laughs> well, we're gonna no, use we're the band fund, and we're right? gonna buy a Nintendo or <laughs> oh, whatever God. system it is that has them. <laughs> 
I used to have the drum set. I remember there was I a, did too. Do you remember the Food Fighter song? I think it was Everlong that was on there. And at that point, I, I was already playing drums, so I was like, oh, well, I've got to go on expert and try to play this. And so, you know, it's got this really fast hi-hat pattern, and I think after maybe a couple weeks of jamming on that, my hi-hat broke on the, on, the, on the drum, like the, the Guitar Hero drum set. Like, literally, the, the little symbol, like, just fell off and wasn't working anymore, and I was like, oh, man. That's a lot of money just for a fake right? drum set. Yeah, I broke the kick pedal, and I just would fail every song after that. <laughs> well, then they came out with, like, the Metallica one, and I think they had some kind of way you could get, like, a double bass pedal. I was like, oh, no. Oh, if I just got into double bass drumming, like, you know, Vin Selmpole, I feel that was, you know, besides Jason, anyways, I feel that's a band that we all kind of, like, had a really big influence growing up with. Yeah. Um, you know, the Rev, when it comes to drums, that's, uh, he definitely got me into, like, double bass drumming, and I'm like, I got a Vin Selmpole tattoo when I was 18. Um... But uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'm here back to you. Uh, what was it that made you decide to pick up a real guitar and just decide to learn to play guitar? I think, like, when I would listen to a lot of rock and metal, I always felt the most drawn to the guitar, like, just whether it was riffs or solos or melodies. And I just thought, like, I want to create something like that, or I want to play this type of stuff. Like, yeah. I was like, this, I just love the way this sounds. So you got a guitar, what, did you ask your parents for a guitar or get one? Or I mean, how, how did that all work out? <laughs> it's kind of weird because like I technically got like an acoustic guitar before I started playing it mm -hmm. and I just I found it it was like one of those first act ones from like Walmart oh, yeah. I never learned how to play it I just had it for decoration long story short I ended up smashing it by accident and my mom was <laughs> like we're never getting you a guitar again <laughs> she's pulling years, Pete Townsend <laughs> it was an she went out and started smacking it around <laughs> I, was, I got too aggressive and, like, a couple years later when I actually got into guitar I was like I actually want to learn how to play it and she was like no you smashed your other one and I had to beg her until I finally got this like I don't even know it's like this knockoff strat for free technically and it was not the best quality guitar but it, it got the job done <laughs> I mean, who, who actually <laughs> learned on a great yeah, quality guitar? I still guitar. have it though. Yeah. That's so awesome. I'm sentimental. Yeah, I don't yeah. play it, but it's. Get you a case, put it up on it. You're like, this is the first one I ever plucked. Right. <laughs> Especially, you know, when we make millions. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> now, did you start trying to learn on your own, or did you immediately start taking lessons when you. I tried to teach myself for like a month or two and I got nowhere with it because I was super impatient and I was like, I I don't want to learn the basics, I just want to learn how to play everything I like and I got nowhere with that fast. Yeah. So I just started taking lessons because I was like, I know nothing right now, I don't even know how to play a G chord, so I'm like, I literally want to learn how to play something. Yeah. So I started taking lessons when I was 12. Yeah, I started, I started playing and taking lessons when I was 12. And you take uh, at Guitar Center as well? Is that where you start taking lessons, or you? I started taking lessons somewhere else. First. I forgot what the place was was called. It's somewhere in Charlotte. I can't. It's like some sort of music school. It wasn't music and arts, though. No, was it? It might have been music and arts actually. Okay. But I started taking lessons there, and then I switched to Guitar Center like after a couple of years because yeah. it was like catered mostly to like kids, and I got to a point where I just kind of outgrew it. Yeah. And were you just, just playing by yourself? You never played in another band at this time? Right? No. You just, <laughs> just wanted to learn to play guitar? Yeah, just for fun. Like, as a hobby. That was kind of like what I envisioned for it. And so Atlanta said that's where, where you two met. Yeah, at Guitar, guitar Center. Center. One of those, like, jam nights that they used to have. Mm -hmm. They don't have those anymore. That kind of sucks, but... Yeah. I think, like, I actually saw you play one time, like, way before we met. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you're that chick that I saw. Yeah. <laughs> like, play. Yeah, it's funny, because I, like... I. 
didn't want to play those. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I don't know, at the time, my mom would be like, come on, go play. Like, you know, the, the jam nights were an opportunity for, I mean, students of, like, any, any age or any level could, like, go out and, like, showcase what they had learned. Yeah. And, like, my mom was like, go, go play. And I was like, you're just saying that you're my mom. <laughs> like, I, I was embarrassed, you know? Like, I was I was nervous and I was shy. And, like, at the time, um, there was... Um, his, his name is David. And, like, one of our songs is dedicated to him. I, uh, I've talked about this before. Um, but he was, like, one of the first people outside of family who was like, hey, you should, like, go out there and, like, give it a, give it a try. And so, like... Uh, I guess, like, having someone that wasn't my mom or, like, that wasn't family, like, yeah. pushing me to go out, to play out, um, like, really helped. Yeah. And if I hadn't done that, we probably, like, never would have met. <laughs> it's sort of the extra validation of somebody else telling yeah. you, hey, you're good enough to go out there and do yeah. it. It's not yeah. just mom saying, come on, you need to do it. It's yeah. somebody else gave you that, that little bit of encouragement or, or courage you needed, I guess, maybe to get up there and actually do it. Yeah, so... That's kind of like how we were, we were able to meet, and um, like I, I think it was um, like one of the managers there, like was like, "Hey, you need to meet this girl Amira. You need to meet this girl Amira." And, and finally, we got the chance to meet. And we were like, "Well, I didn't. I guess I never told you. <laughs> uh, I guess it never came up in conversation." But like, I had someone tell me like that I should meet you, and that we would like maybe like I don't know find common interest. We both play guitar. Um, so yeah, and we, we, we finally did the thing. Yeah. <laughs> finally, you know, got together, started like jamming and playing, kind of like what I mentioned earlier. Yeah, so like after y'all met, it was pretty much, let's let's get together and play guitar together. Yeah. That's how you met. Yeah, wow. we just like started learning songs. Happened, yeah. yeah. So, and that was it. Never, never with the intention of like, let's, let's form a band. Yeah. yeah. Seeking <laughs> Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. Lessons. Both of you are, are excellent guitar players, and I don't know if that was all from taking lessons for so long, or if you started just getting better on your own from the lessons. But how long did you take lessons? Dude, we stopped around the same time. Yeah, I think we did stop around the same time because our guitar teacher left, and we're like, "All right, I guess we're, <laughs> well, yeah, I guess we're done." <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, I think I continued a little bit longer after Amira had stopped, like with other guitar teachers but like I couldn't really find um, anyone like that like I clicked with as much as I had clicked with the guitar player that we both had yeah. previously um, and so I kind of got discouraged and I was like you know what I'm just gonna like just like do stuff on my own and I feel like at the time also like when we met I hadn't been like continuously playing guitar for so long we kind of like learned songs that for me they were a little bit more challenging, mm -hmm. so like it forced me to like 
you know, get to the point where I could play those songs yeah. and we can play those songs together. Uh, I just remember there were like certain songs where I was like, I can't really do this thing quite yet, but I'm gonna learn how to do it. Oh. And I feel like, um, like jamming with Amira because at the time, like she had more continuous guitar experience than I had. And I was like, I gotta catch up. <laughs> and so that's kind of like what, what forced me to kind of like, and kind of like helped me get better at guitar was like jamming with her. And I like, it turned me on to a lot of like, a lot of different like new guitar things that I could learn and like different techniques um, that I want to start learning. So, yeah. um, I think so, I took lessons for about five years, like total, because I did it like pretty continuous. Like I started and then I stopped and then I just never kind of did it again. Yeah. yeah. So when y'all started jamming together, how long was it before you decided you wanted to actually make it a band? I'd say a few months, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we started playing like mid. 2013 so I think like by like maybe towards the end of that same year mm -hmm. we were like we're gonna find a drummer yeah like, I don't remember when we wrote our first song I think that came after because we, we were playing with him and then we were right. doing covers with him and then we tried to find like singer and a basses and that never that didn't go anywhere yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah because I think it was like January of 2014 we found a drummer like at the very beginning of 2014, but I don't think we started writing originals until like it was within that year though. Because like I remember we, we jammed uh, with our first drummer on some of the originals that are on this album. You know, like quite quite a few actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a vague memory. Something was just kind of like coming. I, I could be saying the complete wrong dates. <laughs> One thing I know you you do sometimes is you two will do like acoustic sets. So did you kind of start off? Is that is that sort of going back to your roots, or just you two playing together? I mean, obviously you play songs now that you didn't play back then. Is that just an extra opportunity to play? Like? Yeah, I think it's more of that because we never really yeah. did acoustic stuff until the band was already formed and we were already doing full band shows. Yeah, I think the first time that we might have done like an acoustic show or any type of acoustic anything together might have been like I don't know, like. 2016, 2017, with like Jimmy. Yeah, I think we did like a. I think it was like an open mic that we did. Yeah. Like at Tommy's, like the old uh, location. Yeah, and then I think we also did something at uh, at, at the time it was well, at, it's it's not around anymore, but the Dirty Hippie. Yeah. We we played acoustic there, and so we kind of like did it sporadically here and there, and I think it was just something that like recently we kind of decided like you know we should do more of like it's it, it's fun to like. It's kind of fun to like break up full band of live electric shows with some acoustic shows here and there. Like, it's like more of a variety for us to like play and for our audience to listen to as well. Like, I know like some people might not be into the super like heavy full band kind of yeah. situation, um, and so it's like more more variety for for everyone. Yeah, it's like a different type of vibe too, like a different type of energy. Like, it's more it's laid back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I like doing it. It's chill. And I'm I'm starting to get a mirror to sing a little bit more, so oh, I think everyone's happy with that. Let's <laughs> talk about that. Did anyone tell you that? <laughs> so a while ago, you did say that you were when you started the band, you were not trying to sing. You were trying, you were trying to find somebody else to sing. At yeah. what point did you kind of accept? Hey, I think I'm going to be the singer. We couldn't find anyone. You just couldn't find anybody, so you're like, I, I, I guess I should try it. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like that. We couldn't find anyone, and. I don't know, I just started singing. We never, like, really looked for anyone after that. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I hadn't really, and, and the funny thing too was like, I wasn't singing this type of music. Like, you know, just like, kind of like I mentioned, I was singing like Green Day type of stuff. Yeah. Like, nothing, nothing heavy whatsoever. So. Yeah, I think you were singing, like, you singing was only supposed to be temporary, too. You were like, okay, I'll just do this until we find someone, and then... Yeah. And but we never sing. looked. Yeah. <laughs> we never looked. It was just like, all right, she's our singer now. Yeah. Did you have so. any problem at first trying to play and sing at the same time, or did it come pretty naturally? It was definitely a bit of a challenge, and there are some things, like, to this day that I cannot play and sing at the same time, yeah. like... You know, there are some crazy, crazy guitar players and singers out there. I mean, like that, that play complete two completely different things. And I'm like, how how can you split your brain like that to play? I would love to do an Iron Maiden song, a but different there's thing. just too much going on. <laughs> yeah. So you know, wow. in the shirt too. Yeah, yeah I know, right? <laughs> um, and even with like some of our songs, I think before I used to like not play certain parts so that I can just like sing and then I like come back but over time I like through repetition I kind of like taught myself to be able to like play and, and sing every single every single riff that we have and um, and sing over that but there are some other songs that are like that we, we could learn but I don't know if I could play and sing at the same time <laughs> well that's what I love personally though about your vocal is you don't sound like anybody else. You no, know? I agree with that. You're, you're not doing constant aggressive, yet the clean that you do, I mean, there's been numerous individuals um, that have been like, look, I'm, I'm having a hard time even categorizing you guys because you don't sound like anybody else. And that's one of the things I love. Between the riffs themselves, but your vocals especially, you don't sound like anybody else out there. Yeah, I can't even think of and anybody to really compare it to. Yeah! Like when, when I yeah. try to describe Death of August, and I go, well, it's metal, but there's, like, Rule of Sings, like, like, and I can't really figure out how to describe it. It's like, <laughs> she's just she just sounds unique. It's like you're in yeah. your own lane. Like, no one else is there. It's funny, because a lot of people, like, I feel like, uh, definitely, like, in- instrumentally, there are a bunch of bands that people have thrown out there that we sound like mm-hmm. on a, um, like, instrumental basis that I, I'm like, yeah, I can, I can see that. But there have been so many bands that people just throw out, like, you sound like this band. I'm like, just because they're a female-fronted band doesn't... Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I've heard Evanescence a lot, and you are not Amy yeah. Lee, yeah. and Amy Lee is not you. You know, uh, well, she is awesome though. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Amy Lee's She's amazing. amazing. Yeah. And Helena's amazing though. Oh yeah. In her own right. And that's yeah. the thing though. That's the beauty of it. In my opinion, that is the beauty of it. You don't sound like anybody else. I mean, it's it's nice that people are throwing out bands because like a lot of the bands that they throw out, it's like yeah. I like that band, even if we don't necessarily sound like that. I mean, yeah. like. I'll take the compliment. I always like hearing other people. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love hearing other people think about Thank you, guys. Who, who do you compare us to? And a lot of times I go, I don't really see that, but I'll take it. You know, yeah. whatever. It's, it's it's just interesting to see what other people get from what we play. Mm-hmm. So. All right. I've heard everything from uh, Megadeth and Evanescence to There's Metallica to uh, Metallica and Chevelle. Um, yet with a Chevelle with a female vocalist kind of thing. I mean, that's what I'm actually loving so much about being a part of this project is because anybody that has heard our music, they cannot 
place us right here. Yeah. Because we don't, the music these girls have written and the way the project as a whole just clicks and comes together so well with everyone's talent. Um, like people can't, they have a hard time trying to categorize us. Yeah. And unfortunately, categorizing is a thing. You know, how about, hey, we're just, we're death of August and we're rocking our hearts out and we hope you guys love what we're playing. say like hard rock heavy metal it's like the most generic way for us to be like we're in the genre but we're not anything super specific yeah it gives us room to like it gives us wiggle room and room to be flexible with our sound well i know i've liked that personally just because you know there's as a drummer there's you know so many different riffs and songs uh when it comes to the death of august stuff that i can kind of take a, a completely different approach you know and um certain songs you know i can have some like kind of off, off the wall like polyrhythm stuff going on and then kind of have like you know a more straight through beat and then uh some of the newer stuff that we've been working on like i can throw some like blast beats in there but not like go overboard with it and so i kind of have like not free reign but i'm not i'm not limited too much creatively that or creatively if that makes sense you know i'm kind of oh, playing yeah. out of different parts and stuff so that's definitely been fun for me being able to you know not have to be let's locked into a certain style or a certain sub genre, mm-hmm. or whatever the case. Like, oh, well, you guys are this, so the drummer's parts needs to be this, and so that's that's been cool for me. Yeah, I feel like it makes it more fun to play. Like, we have songs that are like chill, like Fear and I Love This, and then we have like heavier stuff like Hellbender and Thresher. It just like it keeps things more exciting. I feel for people that are listening and for us to just play it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I feel like we have something for every ear out there. You know. Uh, the music we have, I feel like, if you're a fan of this genre, that genre, that genre, that genre, we have something that will meet every one of those. And that's something I love. Again, it, it doesn't upset me when people say, man, I, you know, you sound like this and that, but no, they have a hard time placing mm-hmm. us. Um, for me, that is a compliment because especially nowadays you have so many cookie cutter bands. So what you're telling me, the feedback I'm getting is that we have a unit that doesn't sound like anyone else. Well, you know what? That's a beautiful thing to me. That's what I'm after. We want to bring something new, yet something familiar. You know, yeah. if that makes any sense. That's what we definitely want to do. We want to bring something new, yet something familiar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something that, yeah. I think it helps us, too, like, in terms of playing out. We've played with so many different types of bands. We've played, like, with metal core bands that we sound nothing like. But, you know, we modify our set based on, like, who we're, like, the, the build that we're on. Like, yeah. if we're playing with heavier bands... We'll throw our heavier songs in there. If we're playing with like more of a punk rock lineup, we'll throw some heavier songs in there as well. 
we'll just like modify things based on like the bands that we're playing with and the audiences that we kind of expect to be there at the show um and so it's given us the opportunity to connect with so many different musicians and um bands you know throughout the scene which has been like super awesome yeah now one thing that hasn't gotten mentioned so far is the fact that Helena and where are you? I'm not sure how, how old you are, Paul, but I know you two are, are rather young. Just recently turned 21 um, in the past year, I believe. Yeah. So, totally one thing I want to touch on, though, is the fact that, that I know both of your parents have been super supportive. And I personally know your mother, Helena, but Amira, have your parents always been very supportive of the band uh, uh, from oh, the time? Yeah. 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 Because I've seen a lot of shows, they yeah. look like they're having, they look like they're having a better time than most Newton of the people. Newton and Lisa <laughs> are at every show. They, they look yeah. like they're there to party. Mama Battles But But to be there to watch over, and, you know, you're you're an adult, you're adults now, but yeah. still, you know, that support's very important. Oh yeah, they've been supportive, like, ever since I started playing guitar. It wasn't, like, ever an issue of, like, why are you doing this, or, like... Ew, you're in a band or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know why they said that. I mean, really, like, when I first joined the band and actually first got to meet Helena's mom and, and Amira's parents, um, I was blown away by how welcoming and how supportive the two of them are of these girls. Yeah. You know? They are. Like, Newton and Lisa are at every one of Amira's gigs. Mm-hmm. And I call her Mama Metal, Albina. <laughs> she's at every one of Helena's gigs. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing. I love their support. Yeah. I think it's awesome because I, I didn't really necessarily get. Now I tell my mom she supported me in her own way by mm-hmm. letting me do it. She did, but but she was not at the shows. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't really care to hear it. She didn't like the kind of music I was right. playing. Right. She'd rather me not be doing it. But she always allowed me to do it and allowed me to do it at our house. Like, yep. uh, provided us a place to, to play, even though we were loud and abrasive and weren't always very good because we were just learning how to play music. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> she was always supportive in her own way. But it was, I think it's very, very neat when I see that and, and see yeah. that like, parents have come out to support it, to be there, and to kind of watch over it a little bit, but also just to be there and support it. And, and they're the ones that are most proud of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, my mom, like, has come out to so many of our shows, and, like, we would, like, I mean, just all of us would go out to, like, local shows to support other bands. Mm -hmm. There came a point where, like, my mom was going out to more local shows than I (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, even after I turned, uh, like, 18 or 21, you know, so... Yeah, my mom and dad, uh, you know, my dad, he passed away in 2014, he had cancer, but um, he was always really supportive, like, and he'd come out, yeah, exactly. That's literally what this says, fuck cancer. That's what the back of my shirt says. fuck cancer. My mom took Aaron Dalton, took your dad, Yeah. fuck cancer. But yeah, you know, since my dad played music, you know, he was pretty supportive, you know, I remember one of the first shows I was playing back with SIQ, we played at, uh, I think it was called, like, George Fest, and it was... At some old, like, I think it was in Kannapolis, but it was some old, like, movie theater where they took out, like, the majority of all the chairs and literally the stage was, like, the bottom of the floor. And I remember one of the soundboards was literally being controlled by an Xbox controller. And I remember kind of walking in, like, I was young. <laughs> but I remember walking in and seeing what, the, what my dad used to run. You know, he had a full PA system. And then here's a little, a little mini PA system that's controlled by an Xbox controller. I'm kind of scratching my head. But I remember, uh, I remember, I have a good memory of him being in the crowd. And the first song in my snare head broke. 
And by the halfway through the set, I have a you know a hole that's basically as big as my snare drum in the middle. So I'm trying to hit the edge of the rim. And we we we, we end the, uh, that song, and I hear in the crowd like, "Paul, your snare drum sounds great." And I'm just looking up at my dad sitting there like dying laughing, but like in, in his own way. You know, he's not picking on me. He's like, "I've been there before. I know I've had yeah. that." Me. Like now you're going to experience it first on. And that's so, awesome. Having him to kind of help, you know, he, he was a really good dude, and having him like raise me. Uh, not just uh, in music, but in life, was definitely nice. And you know, I remember uh, at one point he had a uh, electronic set that he bought, and he, he wasn't the biggest fan of the cymbals. And he he was an old school kind of guy, and so he's like, you know, I like I like when I hit my cymbals, I like hearing them. I don't like these uh, these really cheap uh, electronic ones I have. But so he was so supportive, and he was like, okay, I'm going to sell this kid. I'm going to sell the other kid that I've been playing now, which was the John Bonham like replica series, and we're going to get you a new drum set. The only catch is you got, you got you got to like, play it. And at that point, I'm like, well, Dad, I, mean, I can't really tell you shit. You bought it. Like, I can't tell you no, don't play it. Um, but, you know, my mom, she was, she's been really supportive, too. She's um, she's kind of the same way. She's not into, like, heavy music that much at all. Yeah. And so, like, even when I was with Ozai, like, the heavier stuff, she would still come out. But, like, the favorite, the, her favorite song was when we covered Metallica. <laughs> you know, Inner Sandman. She's like, well, that was awesome. I'm like, well, that's because you know that song. You know what I mean? But that being said, you know, I, I feel like having a supportive parents or not only support it, but it'll help push you too. I feel like it definitely it can it can you know be a huge benefit. So, well, let's talk about. So you, you we kind of talked about Fear of the Unknown already. Uh, that album came out. I think it's great. I think it sounds great. But you're you probably already working on another or working on new stuff because I know all these songs that are on this album are songs I've been hearing you guys play. In yeah. the past few years at shows. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure you've got some new stuff and you're already working on some new, new songs, maybe about ready to record. I mean, we have almost an album's worth of material yet that's yeah. not been recorded. Yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of funny because, like, I don't even know how to put this, but, like, we were, um, we, we did a shoot with Kenny Brown a few weeks ago. We were, like, talking with him at one point. Like, we played the album for him before the release. We were just kind of, like, hanging out after after the photo shoot. And we were talking about, like, the songs on this album and also the songs, some of the songs that we've played live already yeah. that have yet to be recorded. And he's like, oh, man, I love that song and that song and that yeah. song. So we do have a handful of songs that, like we have played live that haven't been recorded yet that we do want to release but we have a good handful of songs that uh, are in the works as well that we need to kind of hip hip back and show some love yeah. to and I think I have to renew <laughs> I, I have to relearn Hall of Halls of Extinction it's been a minute I think yeah. I have to relearn that one <laughs> yeah there are some and songs there was that one new one we were working on right before like it was coming time for the album and yeah. That we just kind of haven't been working on, you know, but we're going to get that and it's going to be a ninjas just like the rest of them, you know. Yeah, I really want to, yeah. uh, I really want to get uh, Mung Bash recorded. I know you want to do Ash. Because you're loving the, you know, that's the heaviness. That's the first excuse I've had to put a blast beat into a song. Like the first blast beat that like, I think I could ever pull off in a song. And so I remember like once we like, once I learned that one back in the however long ago that was, I've been like, oh, I can't wait to go ahead and get this recorded. <laughs> yeah, we were working on some some newer songs, like, here and there throughout, like, this year and a little bit of last year. But with the pandemic and, like, just life changes and us working on the album, we were kind of like, we need to, like, 
back up a little bit and make sure we're like we take care of everything that we need to in regards to the album make sure that we sync up make sure like you know um we, we take care of what we need to before moving on to these new songs yeah and, and the thing is with, with, having, with having a new rec- record out or a new album out you don't have to be in a hurry to go back and record because you now it's time to go out and play shows and yeah. promote them yeah. What you got. And and what what you literally just said is what I was about to yeah. expound on, which is awesome. Yeah, that we kind of you know, after the album we knew, all right, the album's gonna be released then. So any of the live shows that we've been doing lately, we, we wanna focus on the songs that are on the album when we do our live shows now. Yeah. Because you know, that's that's what, what you folks are hearing and and I'm sure it's new to quite quite a few people yeah you know which is great and just know that we've got some stuff in our pockets that are gonna knock your we we got you (laughs) you know you think this first album we got you yet but don't get in a hurry because this first album's amazing and enjoy it get to know it i i mean i'm hoping to hear when we do shows crowds singing the lyrics along with us you Mm -hmm. know that we all desire that. That's a beautiful thing, you know. Just, just, just the crowd knowing the songs and showing the support or hollering out, "Play this one or play that one," you yes. know. That's a great thing. So many of our fans have like heard a good bit of these songs, mm-hmm. but they don't know which song is which. Yeah. And yeah. now they now, now they have they the opportunity exactly. to, to know, like, oh, this is that song that I've been digging for, like, you know, X amount of time. Right. This is the song. These are the songs that I want to hear. These are the songs that I love.
Okay, well, uh, we kind of got enough. Is there anything that I haven't asked you guys about that you'd like to say or talk about before we get to a wrapping up point? Well, I don't think we got a chance to like actually formally say like the names of the studios that we recorded with, yeah, but yeah, I wanted to like uh, to yeah. for us to shout out Giant Spoon Productions. That's like you know Cole and James that we talked about earlier, and uh, Derek Studio is Corzine Studios. Uh, I think it's Corzine Studio. Actually, studio. Um, yes, one O. Um, I don't know, like if you guys want to like uh, my bass tracks, obviously Mick Bird. Um, he, he doesn't have an official studio, but man, if you guys want a good kick-ass acoustic show, check out Firebird, B-Y-R-D, and, uh, check out their Jolene video on YouTube, cause they're great too, but Mick Bird made my bass parts possible, but, uh, most importantly, check out Fear of the Unknown from Death of August. <laughs> Because that's us. <laughs> yeah, you guys can um, follow us on social media. We've got like Facebook, Instagram, we're on YouTube. Um, Should be streaming everywhere, like yeah, Spotify, yeah. Music. All streaming services. We've got, um, I think it's deathofaugust.herenow.com is where yeah. you can find like just like a comprehensive page yeah, of yeah, like every um, yeah. every streaming service that Fear of the Unknown is on. Do you have a Bandcamp page? We do have a Bandcamp as well. Um, so, yeah. Death of August Death at of August. .bandcamp.com, probably. 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 <laughs> or if you just search Death of August on there, it yeah. should come up. Is, is yeah. a new album on there? Yes. yes. Okay. And you're doing physical copies of it, correct? Or CDs? We no. are. Um, our main method of, of doing that is just like hit up any of us. Message any yeah. one of the band members if you want a physical copy, and we will make it happen. Yeah. We'll come to Sell, a show. Venmo, yeah. PayPal. Come to any a show. Of it. We'll make um, it happen. You know, hit us up on, on like Facebook or Instagram as well. Like DM us if you mm-hmm. want. A physical copy. If anyone wants to email us, I mean, we've got uh, a Gmail, deathofaugust at gmail.com. Um, we do have some live shows coming up. Yeah, go ahead and promote uh, in, the live shows because, like I said, this came out in time to promote those. Heck nice, yeah. nice. Um, yeah. Well, they technically haven't been announced yet. Actually, they haven't been announced. <laughs> yeah, one of them's been announced. Okay, well, oh, one's well, been announced. One January 28th at the milestone has been announced. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. Really I do want to like make sure we we shout out all the, and, all the uh, you bands. know Ricky Rackman may be there by the way Ricky Rackman may be I'm gonna there. take a quick Who moment to look up the show um all right uh with it's Blackwater Drowning redefined. definitely redefined is Prep and Barium plan yeah Tiger Prep and Barium um Tiger. T-Y-G-E-R And by the way, go vote for their bass player to be uh, uh, you know Steel Panther's Panther, yeah. uh, new bass player, man. He needs your support. Hook him up. We're all about supporting each other. That's what the Charlotte scene's about, man. Did we did we get everyone that's on the show? Um, Redefine, Blackwater Drowning, Prep and Barium, Tiger, and us. Yeah, I think that's right. everybody. Sounds and like a show. It's yeah. not everybody. I'm sorry, but give me a sec. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like y'all can look for a minute because I can edit. Yeah, you can edit anything. Kick ass. That's right. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I, that's, I, I tell everybody that, that my job, do, as far as doing the podcast, recording it is easy because I just I get everybody talking and, and let them talk. But then when I go to editing, that's when it becomes hard. That's when I gotta try to get rid of this background music and try to 
boost everybody's voice up loud enough. And, yeah, and when I don't have any problem with Jason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm so loud. <laughs> no one has a problem with me. Yeah, everyone can hear me. But <laughs> I, I think that's everyone that, that we're on, on the show with, so I don't know. Any Are there any other shout outs? Like, I'm trying to think of like, people who have just been super supportable in the entire way that we haven't already mentioned. Kenny Brown, Kenny Brown, Kenny Brown, already, Kenny Brown get, has been spot. super supportive. Addie Cousins has been super supportive, oh. man. Like, those are just like man. There's, there's a lot. Man. There's been a lot of people that super supportive. Yeah, yeah, Jamie and Stacy. I mean, like we're, the cats we're, here at Tommy's Pub, yeah, man. Uh, Thank you guys. We're doing this podcast. Why at we buck so. at Milestone? Thank you, yeah, man. And, and, and the whole world, Skylark Social yeah. Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole yeah, show scene really does love you. Guys. Haymaker, man. Yeah, Haymaker's like, been great. Blackwater Drowning's been great. Um... <laughs> Gosh, I there's so many. I'm so sorry, guys. I don't remember all your names. All the altered vision guys. Altered yeah. vision guys. Yeah, JJ Jones and Ben. You know, yeah. Yeah, the one thing I'm gonna have to do with this podcast is I'm gonna have to get a little bit more into the metal scene, a little bit more than I have so far. So yeah. that maybe I can do a little bit more of that in the coming year. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been going to all my punk rock friends. It's yeah. like there's a lot yeah. of great metal bands in Charlotte too that I need to get around to. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I also want to shout out like Furental Fury and Den of Wolves. We've been yeah. playing with them like ever ever since we started out. So like you know like shout out to them. They've been like always super supportive of us and like you know we played some of our first shows with them. Um, we actually played our first show at Tommy's, mm-hmm. so like we wouldn't really be playing shows if it wasn't for uh, Tommy's giving us a chance oh, to. The old Tommy's. Yeah, over and at the, the old Tommy's. The, I don't think in the, in the little bedroom at the old Tommy's. It was like, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. I, I love that room. That was awesome because you could have like six <laughs> people in there. and It felt like you were playing to. I know. Uh, it, <laughs> like it, it was, packed out. The only thing that was unfortunate is like you can't see the band, you can hear them, but you can't yeah, see yeah. them if you're over at the bar. <laughs> but uh, oh, it I was those days. That was fun. That was where we played our first, technically our first show. Yeah, yeah. We like we played an open mic or two at, at Tommy's at the old location, or even a few. Yeah. Or yeah, even a few. And then like I guess kind of we we got in contact yeah. with whoever was booking shows there, and we uh we finally finally made our first show happen. Showed yeah, out. we named every band: <laughs> Blackwater <laughs> Drowning, Redefine, Prep and Burial, Tiger, and Death of August. January 28th, it's Friday at Milestone. Be there, man. <laughs> so you don't, think, you don't think that other show will be announced? This has been a Gabagabba Hunt Media Production. Alright, so we're going to be doing a metal version of Barry Manilow's Sandy. <laughs> so we're not doing that. ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not oh, happening. False news. Jason might. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe some cheetah girls. Yeah, I'm down for that. Do a bunch of, like, cartoon show, like, theme songs. Do, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do Ren and Stimpy for sure. We're going to do Ren and Stimpy for sure. I can see. Oh yeah, that's my favorite thing to do is go. I want to cover this song and cover this song and cover this song and cover this song, and then we never cover any of those songs. Yeah, then never cover any of them. Be like, I want to do that. We're all cover it, man. Ben Huskins needs to cover this. Ben Huskins needs to cover this. We never learn those songs. We learn other stuff instead. We just play it in practice. We never play it. I had a huge crush on Raven, man. On who? Raven. Raven Simone. Raven Simone. That's so Raven, though. I was I was too old though <laughs> to have a crush she on her. She was in Cheetah Girls too. Because you got, oh, dude, I got twenty years on you. Touche.